your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai I 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. Loads and loads and loads of sport to discuss. Get yourself down here to Brasti. Be part of what is a bubbling atmosphere down here, as it has been since the start of the Rugby World Cup. All the games have been shown on the big screen and some great promotions from the Green Can Company as well. Uh, Carlos van Rosenfeld, what happened in the rugby today? Yeah, Tom, as you say, I'll tell you what, my Saturdays are action-packed and quite tiring because they start at 8.30 in the morning and end at <laughs> 8.30 at night just watching rugby. I'm absolutely loving it. And I'll tell you what, the results today have just added to the spectacle that is, of course, the 2019 World Cup in Japan. We opened today with Argentina against Tonga. Argentina, seeing of Tonga, they were very, very good second half by the Tongans. Not enough. Argentina winning that one, 28 points to 12. And, of course, then the big result. Even the tennis players are talking about this result. Japan, the host, beating Ireland, 19 points to 12. And, of course, what does that 19 points to 12 have in common? The Titanic went down Stop in 1912. And, of course, then South Africa beating Namibia 57 points to three. And Pool A has now been thrown wide open with this victory of Japan over Ireland. Uh, let's get to the football if we can because there's all sorts going on in the football. No goals over in France at the moment. Half an hour played there. Lyon against Nantes. Uh, but there are goals aplenty to talk about. Danny Norton. This, uh, well, certainly are in, in, in one location of, uh, of continental Europe going on at the moment. So actually, Europe as a whole. The only goals we've got so far in the early kickoffs is up in Scotland. Hibernian taking on Celtic. And it is one all so far. So the Hibs took the lead after just eight minutes. It was a great pass out of defence from Adam Jackson, followed by another great pass from Scott Allen. Christian Deutsch was in behind the Celtic defence. His low cross cannoned off the ankle of Christopher Ager and crept in at the near post. Quite a bit of luck there for Hibernian, but they weren't going to complain about it. However, Celtic was soon level through. Ryan Christie, of all people, nodding home from a ding little cross from Mortise Bauer there. Ryan Christie, not exactly the tallest man on the field there, but he was basically free, unchallenged, to head home to level matters up for the Scottish champions there and after 36 minutes it remains Hibernian 1, Celtic nil down in England in the Premier League, the early kickoff sees table-topping Liverpool who are taking on Sheffield United away at Bramall Lane and it's been a very tough game so far for the European champions, Sheffield United have been happy for Liverpool to dominate ball, dominate territory and try and pick them off on the break and they've had the better of most of the chances so far, McBurney's had a, a, um, a shot turned away by Adrian, they've had some sensational play from Stevens out on the left-hand wing bringing a high ball down turning sashaying his way through a couple of Liverpool challenges and getting a cross in but not Norman was there on the end of it Norwood's been playing well in midfield as well splitting a pass through uh, to Robinson he reached the edge of the box as well and put a cross across uh, put a shot across the keeper Adrian didn't finish it there but the best chance has just come a few moments ago for Liverpool Sadio Mane played through long ball it was from Virgil van Dijk you were expecting a goal because Mane timed his run to perfection to finally get in behind the Blades back line. But as the ball fell, he skied his shot. He sliced it high and wide there when a goal was all but certain. So 38 minutes into this game at Bramwell Lane, it's Sheffield United nil, Liverpool nil. Good on you. Thanks very much indeed for that, Mr Danny Norton. Uh, news from the world of tennis, Nick Kyrgios. Here we go again. Has received a suspended 16-week ban, 25 grand fine for aggravated behaviour, subject to a six-month probationary period. The Australian smashed two rackets in a bad-tempered Cincinnati Masters defeat by Karen Kashinov in August of this year. He was later fined $113,000 for five separate offences. Yeah, 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 I know uh, that people have heard my opinions on Nick Kyrgios here uh, on the radio, and I've got into a bit of trouble in that in the past. Uh, just a quick reminder, I think he's good for tennis. Uh, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think the game of tennis uh, thinks he is a, uh, I think he could well be uh, a seat, a stadium puller, a seat filler for uh, years to come. Uh, whether you will agree with that or not remains to be seen. One man, I'm sure, who's got an opinion on him and much better versed than I when it comes to all things tennis is the founder of CF Tennis, the one and only Clark Francis. He's here with us live at Barasti. All right, CF. I'm fantastic. First time I've been down here in the afternoon. I think I've been missing out for 30 years, haven't I? <laughs> During the daylight as well, you know, you can actually find yourself around, you find your way around, can't you? You, you can indeed, you're right. <laughs> I love the fact that uh, CF Tennis, uh, he now goes by the, the, the letter CF, he's got them emblazoned all over his top as well, even on the name badge as well. Clark, can we start with Nick Kyrgios, where do you stand? 
I just knew you were going to ask me that question. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. If I ask 120 ball kids, who do you want a ball kid for? Federer, Jokovic, or Kyrgios? Easy. Kyrgios, all day. Amazing, isn't it? They don't know what's going to come. You don't know what you're going to get. The fella is absolutely red-hot player. There's a few things like, you know, he shouldn't have been uh, doing, and then some of them are uncondonable, but my God, he's a, a fantastic player. He can beat anybody on his day. See, my and I'm with you on the deal. He's, he's a crowd puller. And, yeah. and what's next? What's next after Federer and Nadal? Who's next? And then, well, how many more years can we have them pulling in the crowds? You know, you know with, the, with, the, with the Djokovic's, the Federer's, and the Nadal's, the, 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 the years are numbered at the moment. Who's coming in behind? Yeah, there's talent out there, but in terms of that sort of maverick talent and stadium stadium fillers there's not that many is there very few to be honest with you very few they're going to come and watch Rublev doubt it Tsitsipas is getting a little bit irritable these days as well but they're great to watch these people and uh, I thought I hate that word precocious talent because you know I don't even believe in the word talent and I'll have a discussion with you over a glass of grape juice on that one but um, yeah he's, uh, he's certainly great for the game and I'm, I'm in your camp with this one Sylvia um, the thing that annoys me about Nick Kyrgios, I, I think he's a wonderful talent, and I just wish that somebody could work with him, that he can actually channel that energy of his. I mean, we all know when Federer kind of started his career, he used to throw rackets, and then he somehow started working with somebody and to channel that energy. Because I think if Kyrgios is on, he's on. He can be a world number one. I believe he can dominate the tennis circuit. But until he mentally gets himself right, I honestly don't think he's a great advertisement for the game of tennis. And, and to me, that saddens me because I do believe he has got, call it talent, call it passion, call it whatever you want to, to become a world-dominant tennis player. I just wish that somebody could work with him and channel those energies in the right direction. I don't think he'll ever win a Grand, grand Slam. I don't think he'll ever be world number one. I think he's, he's too old now, essentially, to, to change much of his ways. I mean, you talk about the mindset there, but the mindset is as much a skill as anything else. And if he hasn't developed that to the degree to get all the way through a major tournament yet, I just can't see it happening, to be honest, at any point. And I don't think he's, he's that bothered by it. And that's completely up to him as well. I think I've agreed with him in the past when he's kind of had a go at others who've, who've accused him of not trying hard. And he's been honest and said, yeah, I didn't try hard. And to kind of say well you know I'm not really obliged to put my absolute all into everything either you know it's, it's up to me how I approach games and, uh, and approach matches and because of that attitude I just don't see him ever getting to the very peak of, of the tennis game I, I think you make a great point um, and between the three of us we've all I think we're all going the right direction the state he's in now the state of mind he's in now I don't think he will win one he needs somebody to get hold of him you know Borg got someone to get hold of him Leonard Nilstrom and then we had we got McEnroe and then now we've got Federer. Don't forget Federer. You know, he didn't even complete his first year in the Dubai Tennis Championships. Yeah. You know, he was throwing rackets. He was crazy when he was 17, and then he calmed down. So there's three rather decent players who you could have said when they were 17 would never have won a slam. So I think you're absolutely right. He needs to find someone who's on his same wavelength and to point him in the right direction. Winning a slam is, that's two weeks. That's seven games. It's a lot, but he's certainly got the ability. So for a man who's coach so much talent here in the region during your time here Clark I mean is, is he is he just different from others where you know the fact is well uh, well documented that he doesn't have a coach doesn't have a full-time coach uh, sort of flits between hitting partners as well the fact that he can compete to the level that he does what does that say about coaching I mean is everyone born to do you need a coach let's ask the coach look, look. <laughs> of course he's going to say the, yes the, the, <laughs> I'm going to answer it in two ways the coach is actually don't coach the guys how to hit the ball they don't coach them even where to hit the ball they'll help them a little bit with strategy there's so much off the court that they're doing the training off the court is way more important than what they're doing with the ball if you knock the heads off the top hundred people in the world your average punter wouldn't be able to tell the difference between one and the next one they're all they all hit the same forehand they all hit the same backhand they can all serve at 120 plus it's about upstairs, and at the moment he hasn't got it upstairs. He's not ready to go to that next level and win tournaments. Does he have the ability of a Federer and a, and a Rublev? Yes, he does. He undeniably does. Go to the highlights reel and watch some of his trick shots and say, can, who, can, who can pull them off? Put the right person with him, point him in the right direction. We all grow up at some time. Some of us take longer than others, Tom, but... Uh, one element that he's criticised quite a lot for are the underarm serves, but... Letter of the law, he's well entitled to serve underarm if he wants. And I can't remember Michael Chang getting stick for underarm serves. 
don't get me going on this. It's with it. Every sportsman plays to the letter of the law. And I could go on forever about this. The most beautiful picture I saw this week was um, the rugby player shaking hands with the, uh, that referee that's on the TV now over yeah. there. And then I think it was Ronaldo screaming at the referee. And that was the difference. This is not the fault of the player. This is the fault of the association for not implementing a rule. Why don't FIFA say only the captain can speak to the player? And if you don't, bosh, rugby have done it. It works. It works. If you can serve underarm, why wouldn't you serve underarm? Did you see where Rafa was receiving Berrettini's serve from in the last tournament? He had his back against the fence. Now, that's using the rule to his advantage. He could go back further if the fence was further. He would. And he'd get it back. It, you wouldn't serve an ace against him. So why wouldn't you drop an underarm serve in so he can't stand quite so far back? Golfers use all those rules to their advantage. Wicket keepers stand up to the stumps, don't they? If a batsman's batting out of his crease, you work the rules. Sometimes the rules are there to, to help you. And you can golf rules. You know, that you see it all the time. Oh, yeah, that uh, placard is in my way. Can, can I get a free drop? Because it's affecting my shot into the green. Uh, me and you would never ask for it, playing down at the Emirates in a little game on a Tuesday morning. But they do, and they use the rules to their advantage. Yeah. FIFA footballers, they've been falling over now with a little tickle on their arm. And sooner or later, someone will come along and say, You've been seen doing this, you're going to get a card you can't play. Yeah. You can't speak to them. Why don't they just implement FIFA? You can't blame the players. Everybody blames the players. The players will do what they can get away with. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Rules are there to be pushed, are they not? Uh, let's get on to matters closer to home, uh, Clark Francis. Uh, the planning is well and truly underway for the Dubai Duty Free Tennis Championships. Obviously, uh, those that are well-versed in the tournament, those that are regular listeners to this show and others will know uh, that you are responsible for the Ball Kids programme. Um, fascinated to also work, I mean, w when does the planning start for the Ball Kids programme each year? I mean, does it literally start a week after the tournament concludes? Uh, we take applications for, for the following year during the tournament. Um, we start the training in two weeks' time, so that's uh, mid-October. And I counted today, I, knew, I thought you might ask me this. There are 31 training sessions before we actually go on. It's pretty intense. It's very rigorous training. The training in many ways is harder than the event. And we get so many people who um, come along and want to be ball kids. I mean, last year we had 300 applicants. And then I have to do my Simon Cowell bit and uh, split them down to 120. And it's, it's one of my most difficult days of my, uh, my entire year because it's, you've got 180 kids. And in fact, the first day I sit them all there and I make them all look at each other. And in these shocking days of medals for participation, which uh, there's another argument we could have, isn't it? So uh, <laughs> let's not go down that line either. I make them all stare at each other and basically say one of us is not going to be a ball kid. So what are you going to do different to the guy you're looking at now? And many children are just not used to getting that said to them in this day and age. One of us is going to fail. Yeah, I'm going to use the word fail. You go there to try and be a ball kid. You become a better person because you did the training, but did you get through? No, you didn't. And you're told you didn't quite make it. Here's the certificate. Try, come again next year and have another go. So, yeah, we start, uh, start the training in a couple of weeks, and that's the main thing I wanted to pass out um, today. And thanks for inviting me on, Tom. You're always uh, very welcoming. Um, this program is open to everybody, not just tennis players. It's open to athletes. Of course, it helps if you know the nuances and the rules and everything about tennis, and maybe you're a tennis player. But we have people from other sports. There's no reason rugby players can't be, ten, can't be a ball kid. There's no reason footballers, there's no reason swimmers can't be. You know, as long as you've got basic, great motor coordination, you're willing to work hard, you work in a team, then we've got room for you. And uh, if people want to come along and try it, they're very welcome. And do you tend to as well, like, you know, we live in obviously such a multicultural city, such a multicultural country as well. You just mentioned it's open there to everyone. Do you get kids from all backgrounds, all nationalities applying? 43 different nationalities wow. last year, yeah. I, uh, I did some homework today. We had 43 different nationalities actually apply last year. And um, we're very proud of that. We're very proud of it. They don't just come from CF Tennis Academy. They come from, uh, from Tennis Emirates themselves who send people to us who just play in events and play at different academies. 
you know, we, this year we'd like to attract some people from Abu Dhabi. Logistically, it's tough, Tom. You know, some nights we're there till I mean, two o'clock in the morning, you know, when the matches carry on. It's uh, a tennis match. How long are they going to be there? How long is the match going to last? You don't know. It's all right. In your game, in soccer and rugby, the match starts. It's going to finish approximately this time. Some days we get six, seven, seven, six, seven, six, three times in a row, and we're there till 2.30 in the morning. Yeah, it's tough. And mummy and daddy have to stay there because they've got to pick them up and take them home. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Clark, you, you, you've spoken about your, your, your Simon Cowell impersonations when you, when you get in the kids together. Tell me something. Is there anything specific that you, that you look at in a kid? And also, do they need to be able to run the 10-meter sprint in a certain amount of time? Because every year I've been at the Dubai Duty Free Tennis, those kids are exceptionally quick the way they move around the court. That's very kind of you to say that, and, I'm, uh, and we always take our compliments um, nicely. Thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, they, we, we, make them, we make them do beep tests, because endurance is a big thing. A lot of the kids will arrive in the afternoon for an evening session at 6 o'clock, having been at school the whole day, if they've got an evening session. And as I've said, they're sometimes there till 2.30. There's a lot of work on speed. There's a lot of word on... Uh, one of the big words we use is urgency. Every kid messes up. Every ball kid will mess up once over the two weeks. It's how fast you recover from that. It's like any other sport. You're going to make an error. It's how fast you put that error right. So, um, yeah, speed and endurance and agility and motor coordination. The big thing with the ball kid thing is they work in teams of 10. And they have to be... It's no good me hurling a ball down towards you if you're not an experienced ball kid or have a great ball technique if you can't receive a ball that I'm passing down to you. It's no good you doing a spin pass to me, you know, at 35 miles an hour while we're running along and I've got some number eight about to devour me. I'm not going to take it, am I? That's not my skill set. So, you know, that's, that's where we are with it. So you, you wouldn't pass the ball to me because you're going to make your teammate look like an idiot. So I, it's all, it, we, we have this saying that it's, it's, uh, it's not about you and we do everything we can to make your buddy look good. So pass the ball at a pace that they know you know he can receive it at. Uh, so it's a lot about a teamwork game. Talk us through the actual process as well, the training. You say, what, there's like 30-plus training sessions between now and the start of the tournament. Can you kind of give us a bit of an overview of how it works? You're starting off with the technique of it, even just collecting the, the balls, throwing them, rolling them, and then moving on to the fitness, or is it all kind of done all together across all these months leading up to the event? Look, there's some very basic skills that you have to be able to do. If you can't roll a ball quickly and flat along the floor, you'd be surprised how few children can actually bend their knees down low enough so they can actually get their hand to the floor and roll it flat along the floor so it's easy to receive. So it's said to them pretty quickly, if you can't roll a ball along the floor quickly and flat and accurately, you might not make it to the end of the program. Then they've got to be able to concentrate. They've got to be able to watch the game, enjoy the tennis while the rally's on, but as soon as that rally finishes, then it's work time. And then they've got to know, right, what's the score? Where's the ball got to be? You know, and you've got a whole bunch of players who have uh, some different things. Sharapova, for example, she always wants the ball from the same side. She's got to know that. You know, there's a lot of, th there's a lot of things. Rafa Nadal. Rafa will never walk on a line, as you know. Rafa wants two towels. He takes two towels out with him. Uh, I made a note of some other ones here that I, I remembered this morning when I was going through it. Um, Gasquet. You know, you've seen them hold the towel out. He wants his towel crumpled, and he tells you straight up, give it to me crumpled. You know, they all have their own little idiosyncrasies, don't they? And it, uh, you know, they want to go different sides. Uh, talk, talking about that, because obviously every player's got his, his set of, or his way in which he's going to play. Do you choose specific ball goals and boys for specific games? Yeah, we do. I mean, that's, a really, that's an amazing question. I've never been asked that before. But they're... Um, we have a little Japanese boy who uh, ball kitted for the Japanese player this year and he came to the stringing because uh, we're also responsible for helping Dubai Duty Free. Well, we work for Dubai Duty Free. All of us represent Dubai Duty Free Tennis Championships. They're, they are called the Dubai Duty Free Tennis Championship uh, ball kit program. And uh, he came along and requested the ball kit because he'd done such a good job for him uh, then. So uh, a lot of them have their, their, their favourite ball kits. Is, is there ever a language barrier where, for example, you'd say, okay, fine, to your point now, you've got a Japanese player, you happen to have a ball kid that can speak Japanese, okay, we'll put you on for that game? It doesn't really come down to language. Most of the players have got a modicum of English, and English tends to be the language spoken. 
the language is all with your eyes and your head and your fingers and you know this this will mean I want my towel they're not going to converse with the ball kid you know it says would you please pass me my towel it's not going to happen especially if it's Songa or it's uh, Sitsipas yeah. who um, they're going to throw the towel they're just you know at the end of the day the ball kids are great if they're unnoticed and if, if nobody says anything about them that's great I can go home put my head on the pillar it's when when something goes wrong they soon tell us what age group are you looking for 11 to 16 mate but we do take uh, we do take younger ones you know some of the under 10 kids are magnificent players and understand all the, the nuances and idiosyncrasies of the players and the, where the ball should be and why it should be there so some of the times we take 10 year old my boy for example who's, who doesn't play anymore but he was a great player and he's been doing it since he was 8 years old um, we've, I've got one little small Japanese guy down here we try not to attract attention you know if you've got a, a kid might be amazing but if he's two foot tall he's going to attract the attention of the player yeah. and uh, that's not what we want yeah. we want the atten- we want the concentration of the player not to be affected in terms and obviously boys and girls so gosh each, yes each, yes. Go, th- each go through the training uh, accordingly as you said they don't need to be they can be from any sort of background in terms of sport but equally from any sporting academy as well from any sporting academy, I was down at the rugby yesterday, my little five-year-old just started playing and I was talking to some parents down there who said they'd be very interested in bringing their kids. You know, even if they don't pass the training, the training is amazing. Yeah. You know, we, it's, you learn all the things about being in a team and, because a lot of people, that's such an overused thing, isn't it? They say these days, oh yeah, I'm playing in a team. There's, a lot of people don't really know what that means. Until you split it down into subsections and you've got your standoff playing with your number nine. I, my, knowledge of rugby is limited not like tennis but you've got people that work together and when you've got a, a person at the net who's working very closely with the person on the baseline you know it's they're a team of two in a bigger team of six and then you've got two people that have to run on and do the do the umbrellas and then you've got all kinds of little things like that so teamwork's essential they do learn teamwork because with this it's not about you they look after we buddy them all up and basically their job is to make their buddy look good at the end of the day. Explain to me as well, I mean obviously we see, uh, you talk about the training process before, the selection process as well, it's rigorous. Uh, on tournament we see, or as you rightly said, you know, the best ball kids, the ones you don't see, the ones that sort of go unnoticed, go beyond, but are efficient for players and, and, and the officials alike. From a ball kid point of view, what added bonuses do they get? What added benefits other than sharing the court with some of the best in the world? Uh, that's the easiest one you've asked me so far. They get a day, they get off school, <laughs> and that's what they love. But, but that's, I'm joking apart there because you know we still make we we ensure that they do their studies and they come off court. We have a uh, Dubai duty free. The organisers arrange a ball kid only tent where the kids can go in between matches. Uh, there's a homework area where they can go and study. You know, I have a lo- you know, lovely quotation. I've got four full-time tennis players who I was playing with this morning. You've met Steffi, you've met Kumba, these people. I mean, you know, we're talking top 50 in Europe for their age. So they're top full-time players. But the second they're off court, they come to my office and I give them an area and they study online because they don't go to school anymore. So they do their online studies. And um, Andreas Jimeno, my tennis director, whose father won Roland Garros. I'm sorry, Andreas, I know I always say that. And, um, you know, he says stupid people don't lose points they shouldn't and it's a it's a very simple thing to say but that's how we make sure that the kids don't put their studies away to one side when they're doing it it's very important that. in terms of the application process um, as you said door is open at the moment encouraging people to get down so what is the next step if, if somebody's listening out there at the moment a parent uh, a child they want to get involved what do they do next they can go online on the uh, CF Tennis Academy site or they can come down to the club. You can ring 800 Tennis and you just first of all have to fill an application form in. You can go through Tennis Emirates, the Federation. There'll be an application form on there within the next week and you can work with the lovely people down there. Um, and that's essentially it. Anybody from any academy is welcome to come down and try to be a ball kid. We're not trying to get them to leave their academies that they're at. We're trying to give them an amazing experience of being on the court with the best players in the world in an event that is quite simply amazing. You're there every year enjoying it, enjoying the two weeks of it. Monday the 17th of February through to Saturday the 29th of February is the dates that you need to put in your diary for next year. And by all accounts, it's going to be a big one this year as well. Plenty of uh, milestones and landmarks being achieved this year. Uh, 
10th anniversary, 20th anniversary, sorry, showing me age, 20th anniversary of the ladies WTA event and uh, the 28th year of the men's event. I've been uh, involved in all 28, hey. I'm so happy to say. Uh, Colm invited me 28 years ago to um, to train the ball kids and I've been doing it ever since and I've, I will be eternally grateful for the opportunity for doing it, it's fantastic. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful event this yeah. year, yeah. And obviously, the best part of any speech last year was not by me or Colm or or anyone else involved, but by Roger when he said, "I'm coming back next year." <laughs> that was the, that was the biggest cheer of the year. Just just speaking about the ball kits. So let's say you get chosen for for the for the duty free tournament and you're successful there. Is there anything else that they can aspire to getting to any other tournaments worldwide, or several, or does that kind of where your ball ball boy career or girl career ends? That's great. I just fed him that question because I told him something <laughs> about the two girls. That's great. Uh, up until last year, uh, the answer to that question was no. It was basically you were a ball kid at our event. Um, our ball kids were basically judged and told me by an ATP official once that that was the standard by which all of the ball kids would be judged, which was probably the nicest thing that anyone ever said about them. And last year, uh, Dubai Duty Free Tennis Championships, Tennis Emirates, Dubai in general, we were absolutely happy that two kids from Dubai, two kids from Buenos Aires and two kids from Shanghai have been chosen to go to the O2 Masters. Uh, I couldn't bring them down here with me today, they, well they wouldn't, certainly wouldn't have been allowed in here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping uh, Tom will invite them onto uh, the agenda sometime during the date. week. It's a date, we'll do it over it's the week. It's a date, it will be wonderful. So we have two girls um, chosen by the ATP, that was another great thing, I didn't have to choose them myself. So two girls will be coming uh, to the O2 Masters for two weeks, five days training in London, parents involved, hotels paid for, flights paid for, the entirety paid for. It's going to be a, just an incredible opportunity for them. Quick reminder again, see if before we let you go, uh, if people want to find out more, where do they get the info? You can call 800 Tennis and get the information through there, or you can go onto the uh, CF Tennis Academy website, download the training manual and the application form. And everybody is welcome, and thanks for inviting me Not on. Not at all. It's always nice to catch up with you. Uh, about to get the second half underway in the early kickoff in the Premier League. Uh, the Premier League, a better place for having Sheffield United back in the Premier League? Seems that way. I am the world's worst Premier League football, a fantasy football player. I have to say, I dropped Bernard Silva after having him as captain the previous week, and he goes and scores a hat-trick. Very good. I had Kyle Walker as captain. He gets taken off after 58 minutes. I didn't even get a clean sheet. I am absolutely useless at fantasy football. Uh, but you know a thing or two about tennis, that's for I sure. Do. Eh? I know the odd thing or two, yeah. <laughs> Always good to catch up with you at CF. Uh, we will be doing more. It's a date for the week, yeah? What You and I will do something over the week with, your, with your ball girls. And all the best with the, uh, the campaign this year. I hope you get a record number of applications. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks Scott very Francis much. Francis there, founder of CF Tennis. If you want to find out more, get in touch with he at 800 Tennis or just search for CF Tennis to find out the latest. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. You're listening to Dubai 103.8, plenty going on in the world of sport. Let's get a wrap-up of what's happening in the football. Danny Norton. Thank you, we're just uh, three minutes into the second half of Bramall Lane, the early kick-off in the Premier League taking place. Sheffield United hosting table-topping Liverpool. Sheffield United arguably had the better of the first half. They've frustrated their more illustrious opponents, the European champions. They had the better chances on the most part in the first half, in the opening period, except Sadio Mane probably should have scored twice in the first 45. He kind of skied a shot high and wide when put through on goal from a long ball from Virgil van Dijk, then hit the post when played through by Roberto Firmino. Well, Sheffield United have had their opportunities as well. They're sitting deep, but they're playing the counter-attack very, very well. Uh, Liverpool struggling so far. I'm sure they've already got a stern talking to by Jurgen Klopp in the dressing room at half time uh, but so far it remains goalless at Bramall Lane. Plenty of other action going on around Europe at the moment over in Spain it is Valencia leading Athletic Bilbao at San Mames Denis Sheryshev scoring from a counter attack in the 27th minute we've got about 10 minutes left in that one it's one all up in Scotland between Hibernian and Celtic and it's so far goalless half time in the championship between QPR and West Brom The Russian Grand Prix tomorrow got pole qualifying later? Yeah, Tom, it's actually live at the moment. What I can tell you is it's the Ferrari of Sebastian Vettel that has posted the 
fastest time at the moment in uh, in qualifying 133.032 he's followed by Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes-Benz Max Verstappen in the Red Bull Valtteri Bottas and as I said that Max Verstappen has just gone a quickest now he is leading qualifying Charles Leclerc that was the fastest in uh, in uh, in pre pre-qualifying is now sitting down in fifth position but at the moment the Ferraris are looking very good in Russia Pakistan against Sri Lanka uh, overnight uh, was called off without a ball being bowled. Uh, that's the first ODI between those two teams. Start of that series getting off to, uh, well, a rubbish start because of a torrential downpour. So no cricket played in that one. Uh, also in the world of cricket, Afghanistan have appointed former South Africa all-rounder Lance Klusner as the team's new head coach after Phil Simmons' summer departure. A good appointment? The Zulu. He will forget, I think there's a 99 World Cup where he hit every single ball off the island of England. And uh, yeah, Lance has come on in his, in his coaching. I think he'll be, a, he'll be a good addition. And what I can't understand is none of these coaches are staying in South Africa and we need them because South African cricket is in desperate trouble. But him, Gary Kirst and the likes move to other countries, win the World Cup and then retire happily. So I wish him very well on his ways and I think he'll do well. Talking of cricket, uh, the season very much underway, a new season underway here in the UAE. One team that will be uh, celebrating in style throughout the course of the season. Uh, milestones aplenty is Darjeeling, Darjeeling Cricket Club, the oldest uh, cricket club here in the region. I've had the privilege to play for them uh, back in the day. Don't get the whites on as often as I should do these days, that's for sure. But we are blessed to be joined by not one, not two, but three men who put me to shame by donning those whites on uh, all too many occasions at the moment. The club captain Nick Harvey is with us alongside he, uh, James Watkins and Nathan Cartwright uh, who are committee members down at the Darge. Uh, good to see you Harvey, all well? Yeah, very well, very well and it's a shame that you're not playing more. You do May. look good in those whites. May, I will try. Is it still just whites or do you, do you play a bit of pyjama cricket these we days We do a little well? bit of pyjama cricket for our sins. It's not uh, my favourite uh, form of the game but uh, <laughs> we still have the, the the, the white. Uh, it seems a bit silly to ask because uh, we are what just a couple of weeks into the season. How yep. was how was how was the rigorous pre-season training uh, for all the members this year? Arduous. And how's the start of the season been? Arduous. Well, the the best part of the season was always the inter-club uh, pre-seasoning opener, which is always very colourful. Following that, we playing our first league uh, match today, and I think after. <laughs> We got 2.30, or we're facing 2.30, and we're, what are we, Nathan? Uh, at last count, we're about 5 for 80 chasing 2.30, so not looking good at all for Darjeeling today. That's 80 for 5 for those in the Northern Hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which brings Br bring in Ben Stokes. Which brings up uh, bring in Ben Stokes as well. Uh, which brings in a really sort of nice point about Darjeeling. One thing that I loved about Darjeeling is when I first arrived here 20-odd years ago, you know, the old myth goes that, I just came with a cricket bag and that was basically what I came with there were a few other clothes in the cricket bag other than the cricket kit but what I found Darjeeling a really good starting point to get started here in the UAE because of the different nationalities and those in different backgrounds does that continue to this day? Absolutely yeah I'd had a similar story when I first joined uh, I came to Dubai with a cricket bag on my back and uh, I was playing cricket with them the first weekend and that was a way to meet you know 10 to 20 guys and new friends straight away and that, that hasn't changed today we still have a fairly reasonable turnover as Dubai is a transient place but actually a lot of these friendships last for a lifetime whether people come through for one or two games or two years and uh, we, you know we have various tours around the world and these people always come together again it's a, it's a great uh, place in Dubai to uh, to meet people and to start playing cricket. Mr Watkins let's talk standards if we may sir um, uh, and does it is, it is it a club that caters for all standards? Uh, yes, we do. Um, so we basically run two sides currently at the moment. So we presumably have a friendly side, which, as you can imagine, is extremely sociable. A lot is taken in the bar. Uh, and then we run our league side, which is a DSL, uh, which is the Dubai Super League, which we're playing today, which is on a little bit more of the serious side for those sort of cricketers who want to train and take their cricket a little bit more serious. In terms of ages as well, um, is there an option for, for, for kids? Is that something we're looking at at the moment? Are there more options available there? And what is the sort of age bracket, if you like, for Dodge? Uh, predominantly at the moment, we are more of an adult side. Yep. We have had a cult side previously. Uh, but during the Golf Sixes, which we're going to be hosting in November, we are going to be looking to try and promote our cult section by having some free coaching sessions on a Friday morning. Uh, to obviously celebrate our 50th birthday and obviously it's something we want to evolve uh, with the club. 
significant year for Darjeeling. I think it's only right that we sort of talk about the years that have been, the, the, the history. Because I mentioned there, you know, one of the longest standing um, clubs, not just here in the UAE, but in the region as well for, 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 for cricket fans and aficionados. Um, what is the sort of potted history of Darjeeling? You're, you're the, you're, I think you're the club archivist as well as the club captain, aren't you? <laughs> no, well, we've got a few of those. <laughs> Uh, we've got a lot of ists in the club. Um, so, look, fundamentally, we were established in 1969 when a couple of guys um, managed to purloin some kit. That's not quite fair, but on consignment basis, got £113, around 500 dirhams worth of kit from Bahrain, the only place that sold uh, cricket gear at that time. Um, about a few months later, we were able to pay that money back and establish Darjeeling Cricket Club. And five years, six years later, they took us to Alawir, yeah. where you joined us, Tom, yeah. um, back That's in the, the day. The old country club. The old country club, where we had some of the old contracting companies like Hal Crow, who actually graded the club. The actual clubhouse was built on the earth and granite dug out of Shindaga Tunnel. Yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah, many moons ago, you know. So that little mound that you used to sit and all yeah. the kids used to play on, that's where it came from. And, and as Nathan has said, and as you will know, from people who came to, to uh, Dubai in the 80s, 90s, when there really wasn't a, a large social infrastructure, it was the first point of call. It's where kids were brought up, it's where you went for your Friday brunch, and it was where, you know, your weekend rotated around. Yeah. In terms of the now as well, because obviously with the, the boom in Dubai, that, that land became a prime real estate, if you like, uh, although I'm not sure if it's been developed as yet, but that's for another day altogether. Um, uh, let, so where, where's the home now? We now play at the ICC and we also play away fixtures and we still go on tour. Um, but the ICC Global Academy which is a far cry from the, the sandpit that we used to play on and get grazed on uh, back in Alawir. So it's world-class facilities, it's, um, it's beautiful pitches, but, that, but that, that's our home now. In terms of, um, uh, of the sort of, in terms of the celebrations for this year, I mean, it's a significant one because 50th anniversary, some big plans as well ahead. But let's talk, talk more about the sort of the playing side of things. Are you always looking to recruit, Nick? Absolutely. We're always looking to recruit uh, either via the website. So we have a very active uh, membership coming in through the website or through social media. And uh, all of our members, um, uh, all new potential members, are, are, are welcome to join us on a Tuesday night. We have nets every Tuesday night at the ICC. Uh, see if you like it, and then come out and play some cricket with Darjeeling. And in terms of that, I mean, is that a sort of good way to start, to, to, to people to come down and give it a go first and foremost? Yeah, no, they do. So that, that's how I joined the club, was on a Tuesday night, rocked up, had a, a few net sessions, and Darjeeling sort of grew love on me. Um, and that's what Darjeeling does. People begin to love the club and it becomes part of their life. Um, and that's, that's a great way when you first come to Dubai is to meet people. You, as Nate mentioned earlier, you create friends for life. In terms of sort of backgrounds, I mean, there's a couple of different accents around this table as well, but players from all over the globe, yeah? Yeah, so I, I'm from uh, Kent back in England, and then you've got uh, Nick from. England. And Nate's from some sort of small island somewhere. I'm not too sure. <laughs> but, but just to build on that, uh, what I we had uh, uh, an under 19 uh, uh, play from the Netherlands, a female player from the Netherlands playing for Darjeeling. So you know, male or female, uh, we're, we're open to cricketers of all nationalities, and and it doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. There is obviously the social side to things as well, and that will be out in force uh, later on this year. 50th anniversary, big sixes. You organise the sixes every year, don't you? But this one is significant. Yeah, I mean, it's actually the 23rd edition. So I suppose we've got it right every other year, you know, ballpark. But, um, but yeah, no, this, is, this is a massive year for us, and it's quite an auspicious year everywhere. I think we share our 50th birthday with um, the Rugby Sevens, I believe. Is that right? Um, uh, Woodstock. Yeah. The moon landing <laughs> um, uh, and the QE2, where we're actually hosting our gala dinner. So what we're going to have, uh, just so you know, is on the 14th of November, we're having a gala dinner that we're sending out invitations for all past members, friends of the club. And I'd like to use this opportunity to reach out to anybody listening who has um, played or been involved with Darjeeling in the past and we haven't managed to reach you because 
we've done our best to scour all of the old databases, but please, please get in touch with us. Um, uh, Jamie Watto will, will, will tell you how to do it, but um, on top of that, we're also having the, the Gulf Sixes, which will be a... Is that the following day? Is that why? <laughs> Schoolboy error, I know, but we, we thought it would add a little edge to the tournament. So, so the next the next day edge. for the next weekend, yeah. So and and for the for the it's it's basically a, a cricket tournament, come festival, come comedy night, and that's going to be taking place down at the ICC. At the ICC Global Academy. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of obviously invites are out and you've confirmed your teams and bits and pieces, that's all taken care of. But again, I suppose what is an opportunity for people to come down and see what the club's all about in its finest. Yeah, no, of course. So we want to aim for the whole weekend to be about families as well as people enjoying their cricket on the social side. So we've got things such as bouncy castles, there's going to be barbecues going on, uh, as well as other entertainment such as coaching on the Friday morning. And that, that's the being ever of uh, Darjeeling Cricket Club. We are a family club, um, as well as obviously an expat social club. So we want to try and produce our values during the course of the uh, our 50th birthday over that weekend. I'm some, some special guests on the, uh, for, the, for the dinner itself as well. Yeah, Pulling out all the stops, former players coming over, is that right? Uh, yeah, we have Jeff Miller coming over wow. from, uh, from England, a former England selector and player. Uh, so we're really looking forward to seeing what he's got to say. Um, uh, all the reports and, and what we've seen online of him is, is very positive. He's a very funny guy. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's really good. And it's a really, it'll be a really good time as well because the, the tens gets underway uh, round about then as well down in Abu Dhabi. So there'll be no shortage of players in town as well. And who knows might be popping their head in over the course of the weekend. Who knows? We're, we've got our feelers out. We're trying to get hold of one or two other international stars. So hopefully a few of them join us as well. Indeed. Uh, if people want to find out more about the dinner as well, What's the best way for them to do that? Okay, so the best way to find out for our dinner is to contact us through our website, um, which is obviously uh, www.darjeelingcricketsclub.com. <laughs> You'll find us on Google. Uh, yeah, find us on Google. I think with, uh, if you search uh, Dubai Cricket, we're obviously one, number one number one searches. Um, Failing that, obviously you can try and uh, contact us on social media. Uh, we're very active on social media, and no doubt someone will contact you within the next two or three hours. But if people, so if, if someone's listening and they say, oh, I fancy that, I oh, fancy coming down to the dinner, I mean, can they buy tickets for the dinner or not? Yeah, so at the moment, tickets are very limited. Yep. We've only got around about 25 tickets available still. Um, but yeah, it'd be great to invite people along from outside of the club to come enjoy uh, and even celebrate in one of the, uh, the the region's oldest Greek clubs. Yeah, that's all taking place. What are the dates again? Of fourteenth of November for the QE2 and yeah. the fifteenth and the sixteenth for the Gulf Six. So get involved in that, please. Do uh, make sure you get involved as well. And then if you want to get involved in the in the cricket, was it Tuesday nights? As that was the mention? Yeah. So every Tuesday night we have nets down at the ICC, uh, either indoors or outdoors, depending on the weather. Um, both on the artificial pitches or on the uh, on the turf, they got some fantastic facilities down there. We generally kick off around 8 p.m., so uh, either turn up on the night at 8 p.m. or if you get hold of us through the website, then we'll contact you and we'll give you more details from there. Now, lads, when I was playing for Darjeeling on a more regular basis, uh, one of the highlights of the season, one thing we all uh, aspired to to get on, was the Chiang Mai tour. Um, are you still being invited back to Chiang Mai? Absolutely. Oh wow, wow. Okay, uh, and is that so? That's still ongoing as an annual thing. Yeah, every April, every April, yeah. Okay. And I think this is our twenty-eighth. I think it may be the thirtieth year in a row. We're one of the originating original members that have participated every single year since the since the tournament started. And what about uh, in terms of the standards of cricket? Because that was one thing that I've, I noticed uh, w w when we were playing. There's the, the fact that the standards were going up. More and more teams were coming available. More and more facilities were becoming available as well. Are we seeing a steady curve upwards in terms of standards and oppositions? Yeah, we're certainly seeing uh, uh, an increase in standard. But one thing we've managed to cater for at Darjeeling is, is people of all standards. So we have the friendly side, which pays uh, pretty much every weekend. And we also have the DSL side. So we have, we have teams to cater for all, all, all standards. In terms of all of that, there's plenty going on uh, for cricket lovers out there. And Darjeeling in a good place at the moment in terms of numbers? In terms of uh, members and numbers, uh, are we uh, looking help? Around 70, 75. 70, 75. Yeah. And then we've got honorary members and, and other areas like this. Okay. So uh, again, if people want to find out more, Watto, just get yourself onto the website, come yeah. down on the Tuesday and do more, yeah? That's correct, yes.
And how's your, how's your cricket, you three? I mean, how's pre-season treated you, all right? I'm certainly on the uh, the club cricketer friendly scale and it's going very, very well. It's, it's very unfair for me to ask you directly on that one. So maybe I should ask somebody else to give us give us sort of potty history of each other's cricket as well. So uh, we'll get you, if we can, uh, Nath, to okay. explain explain Nick Harvey as a cricketer to us. Okay, so Nick Harvey uh, is, a That's very unfair, is a legend of the club. Uh, former decent bowler and batsman now he knows which end of the bat to hold and generally hits the pitch occasionally when he bowls I think that's a fair assessment take that will you okay what uh, can you do the honors for, for Nathan is that right uh, so Nathan predominantly is a, a wicket keeper yeah strike batsman <laughs> <laughs> just leave it at wicket keeper but uh, Nathan had the uh, the fortunate uh, job of bowling in the interclub game which uh, unfortunately we had to call him off after 12 balls <laughs> and only four balls were completed so uh, and, uh, funny enough I was the other end and I think eight went straight over my head yeah. <laughs> so that's Nathan in a nutshell uh, and over to you Mr Nick Half Half you've got the man alongside you Watto uh, Jamie Watkins he's a quality batsman who scores ducks regularly <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to come down on a Tuesday or at the weekend as well? It's Darjeeling Cricket Club, 50th anniversary. They've got the sixes in mid-November. Uh, open night each and every Tuesday as well. Fellas, really appreciate you coming on down here. Thanks so Cheers, much, Tom. indeed, for being with Thanks, us. Tom. We look forward to November. If there's anything more we can do to help out, then do let us know. But to you, Nathan, to you, Nick, and, of course, Jamie, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Thank you Tom. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we are round the ground. The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Danny Norton's watching the football for us at the moment. Uh, he's transfixed on this screen. Good game. <laughs> it's been a tre tremendous game. It's still goalless after 67 minutes of Bramall Lane between Sheffield United and Liverpool in the early kickoff in the Premier League uh, this afternoon. Sheffield United have been tremendous, really. They've really caused Liverpool no end of problems. Liverpool, as you would expect, have dominated possession. They've dominated territory without really creating an awful lot. Sadio Mane with the two best chances which came in the first half of Liverpool. The first one was a long ball played from the back from Virgil van Dijk. Rob, uh, Sadio Mane timing his run to perfection to get through one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper. He watched the ball as it dropped, but as he struck the ball, he just sliced it, the outside of the ball, so sliced it high and wide. He then hit the post just moments before uh, the half-time whistle went but after being played through uh, from Roberto Firmino. Probably should have scored in all honesty, but anyway, Sheffield United have probably, despite those best chances going to Liverpool, they've had more of the chances. They've been playing on the counter-attack, uh, causing Joel Matip and Virgil van Dijk no end of problems there, uh, giving them all sorts of worries. Liverpool really haven't been able to create much at all in this second half. They brought off Jordan Henderson and brought on a striker, Divock Origi. So a slight change in formation for Jurgen Klopp's men with a 4-2-3-1. Now with Salah being that one up the top and Firmino kind of dropping into that number 10 role. Uh, but Sheffield United just continuing to cause issues on the counter-attack. Looking elsewhere around the grounds though, so there's no goal at Bramall Lane but there has been a goal elsewhere in England it's down in the championship where QPR are hosting West Brom the visitors have taken the lead through Nathan Ferguson this goal came after 53 minutes of their championship clash Nathan Ferguson driving deep from midfield unleashing a dipping strike from well outside the 18 yard box after he was failed to have been closed down by QPR and just to say this now Liverpool appear to have taken the lead at Bramall Lane it seems to be something It seems to be something of a fortuitous goal for Jurgen Klopp's men. Genie Wijnaldum is the man celebrating, but Henderson, the Sheffield United goalkeeper, is holding his head in his hands. 70 minutes in, Divock Origi on the left-hand side, throwing across into the box. It is out, falls to Wijnaldum. He strikes the ball from the edge of the penalty area, just on, side, on the D but it really should be gathered up by the Sheffield United number one but he just lets the ball fumble through his legs and into the goal there it's an absolute howler from the keeper and it is cruel on Sheffield United who I like I've said have probably been the better team for most of this match but Liverpool won't care too much about that because they just want these three points to maintain this gap over Man City at the top of the Premier League. Genie Wijnaldum giving them the lead finally after 70 minutes. It is Sheffield United nil, Liverpool 1. 
Uh, we've also got a goal over in France as well. Uh, Nantes, uh, the visiting team, they're taking on Lyon in the early kickoff over in France. It's another own goal as well. Fernando Martial uh, on 58 minutes with the own goal uh, for Nantes. Uh, so Nantes lead uh, their host by one goal to nil. Finished over in Spain as well. Uh, Valencia finishing up winners with all three points there. Yes, one nil victory for Valencia away at Athletic Bilbao. Denis Cherishev getting the only goal of the game at the San Mamés Stadium, scoring after 27 minutes. It was an incisive break and uh, the finish from the left winger who was an absolute live wire all throughout this game there, giving Valencia that 1-0 victory. And like I say, the only other game, that we, well, two other games we got going on at the moment down in the Championship, it is still West Brom 1, QPR 0 away at QPR and in Scotland it's still Hibernian 1, Celtic 1. Lots to look forward to in Spain this weekend. It is Getafe against Barcelona. Uh, that's one getting underway at 6 o'clock local time here in the UAE. Granada against Leganes uh, at 8.30 this evening and then Madrid derby as well later on uh, at 11 o'clock. Atletico against Real. There was a game last night as well which saw Real Betis on the wrong end of a Villarreal fight. Villarreal and Real Betis open up match day seven at the Estadio de la Ceramica on Friday night. Santi Cazorla was an inspired form. A great pass from him, not quite finished off by Ruben Peña. This corner though was sent into the net by Toko Ikambi. The equaliser followed just after half-time and it was Emerson who shot clipped the boot of Pau Torres finding its way past Sergio Asento. Joaquin nearly put Betis in front with a powerful drive kept away by Asento and Carvalho was also denied by the Villarreal goalkeeper. Penalty awarded in the second half for a foul on Chukwesi. Changed the complexion of the game. Santi Cazorla converted from the spot. From there, Betis opened up. Villarreal were able to hit on the counter. They scored this one through Ikambi. And a save pushed onto the post by Robles' Ontivero shot. Moreno scored late on. And Chukwesi rounded off the route, deep into stoppage time. The final score, Villarreal 5, Real Betis 1. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app.